Hi everyone and welcome back to Rice and Shine, a show looking at life through the perspective of four Asian American teens living in the Pacific Northwest. I'm Lauren. I'm Sophie. I'm Ava. And I'm Grace. So previously we had planned on doing an individual series for AAPI Heritage Month, but the way things turned out with our previous episode on Roe v. Wade, we thought it would flow better and just work better if we did this episode all together. It's like you're a good old individual series, but you get the banter of having the four of us. So more fun, I hope. Today, we are going to talk about people who we think represent Asian American Pacific Islander excellence. And it can be non-American, too, <laughs> since it so is... So, like, Asian excellence. Asian mm-hmm. Pacific Islander excellence. And I think it would be good if we could, if we want to group these into different categories. So is there a certain category we want to start off on? I think we should start with movies. Mm. Okay. And I actually think I have a good one to start. Her name is Michelle Yeoh. I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, I think everybody knows who she is. She plays the, like, good mom or, like, aunt or whatever in Shang-Chi. She, like, plays this character who's really skilled in martial arts. And then um, she also just starred in her own, like, movie. Well, it's not her own, but she's the star. Um, called Everything Everywhere All at Once. And it kind of, like, exploded on the internet. And um, a lot of people have been really excited about this because she's been an actress for, like, a long time, and she's really skilled in, like, martial arts. Like, her acting dates back to one of, like, the first martial art films ever. And I feel like um, everybody's been waiting for her to receive, like, her recognition. She kind of paved the way for, like, all the movies that feature um, Asian actors that we see today. And my mom also really likes her as an actor. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you should definitely talk about her. And I think she's a great actress. So I think think it's really cool that she's getting her starring role and that people are recognizing her now. You know, she was also in Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, she was the evil mom in that. The evil mom. Yeah. She did very well. She did. Wait, okay, wait. There's a movie that she was in with Tony Leung. Yeah, okay. So, actually, just kidding, that's not the movie. But she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I think is the most, like, well-known, like, martial arts movie of all time. And (laughs) growing up, my family was really into not Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but one that's similar to that called Hero. And it's all, like, kind of martial arts based and it's based on, like, Chinese legends and my family was just so into it, and they'd have me watch it as, like, a little kid, and it's called Hero is the English title. I'm not sure what the Chinese title is. But it has um, Tony Leung, who is also in Shang-Chi, who plays the dad in Shang-Chi. And that movie is, like, I have such, like, vivid memories of... We used to have, like, a VHS, and we would have the VHS of Hero and also the Blu-ray. And, like, I didn't understand any of the concepts. Like, it's kind of, like more of a mature film, I guess, because, you know, there is death, there are mentions of suicide, you know, on and on and on. But, you know, as a little kid, I would watch that, and my parents would be like, yeah, you should be like this girl. She is so strong. That was just a cornerstone, I guess, because it was a way for my parents to say, here is a strong Asian role model, even if she's not Japanese, but... You know, having those role models, whether it is in, like, a martial arts film or whatever else. Yeah. That's really powerful. I feel like one actor we didn't talk about in the last episode was Jackie Chan. 
Oh, oh yeah. my god. Yeah. How yeah. could not how how could I we know, forget right? him? Um, I'm pretty sure the first movie of his that I've ever uh seen was Foreigner. Have you guys heard of that? I, 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 I think that's what it's called. Um I'll look it up later and um I'll let you guys know if it's not the correct name. But anyway, basically it's about how he is a single father and he's raising his daughter, but then his daughter his daughter um dies oh. in a terrorist attack. So oh. it's not like it wasn't like a huge thing. Um basically I think she was shopping for her prom dress and um the area right in front of that dress shop was bombed. Um and then her and then several other people died and then uh Jackie Chan is like, I need to get revenge. Like I can't I can't just sit here and not do anything. So the entire movie is about him uh, kind of being fueled by that grief. And he's like, okay, the government isn't doing anything about these terrorists. I'm going to do it. And I think some of my favorite scenes in that movie is like when he's making his homemade bombs. Like he's like pulling out that science. He's doing the math. He's crunching the numbers. And he's like making his homemade bomb. And then in the very end, things get resolved. Um... Not entirely because, you know, you can't bring his daughter back. But I think at the end of the movie, he's at peace with himself. Um, it's a really powerful film. We should watch it. We should watch it. Yeah. I think, okay, we're talking a lot about, like, martial arts films. And something that just came to mind was how when uh, Simu Liu was in Shang-Chi, he made a point to say, like, his one regret is that he played an Asian superhero and the Asian superhero was a superhero because he was raised in a martial arts family. Mm. And I think having him talk about that is really interesting and also connects to this other thing. Um, I got into this, like, rabbit hole of, like, PBS, uh, you know, like, public broadcasting system. It's, like, a YouTube series. And they talk about, like, different history through media. And they were talking about the rise of the Asian himbo, which What's was that? really funny. And so, for those of you who don't know himbo, it's like bimbo, but him. So, you're you're good looking, and you're nice, but you're not very smart. And how that is a total role reversal uh. of what we have seen in the past. Like, they give the example of the one, like, super racist character in Breakfast at Tiffany's, and how it's actually a white guy trying to play a Japanese guy. Oof. And how it's, like, a little graph. And it was, like, wanted, unwanted, intelligent, unintelligent. And how, like, over time, there's been Asian characters moving up into, like, the himbo quadrant of, like, the unintelligent but really wanted, like, mm. good-looking whatever. And so I think that was just, like, something I wanted to, like, something I wanted to point out because I thought that series was really cool. Yeah. Speaking of Shang-Chi, I kind of want to talk about Aquafina's character. I don't know if we talked about uh... Aquafina a whole bunch in our last AAPI episodes, but I feel like her character even though her character is supposed to be the opposite from the Asian stereotype, I feel like it's still an Asian stereotype of, um, I don't know, like a girl or, I don't, I don't know, it could be a guy, but like just a kid who is like defying their parents and they're like, no, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to go down your traditional path. I don't want to do this. Oh, um, I see, I see. And then they're like too cool for it. Uh, the, like, Asian child defying the parents, I think that's, like, more of a recent thing, too. It's, like, 
Because, mm-hmm. you know, the stereotype is very much like, oh, I'm such a good, intelligent kid, and I play all the instruments, and I know everything. So, I mean, I guess as much as that's become a stereotype these days, for it's like, I'm defying my parents, it's a step ahead, I think. I just want it to be, like, a regular, like, person character. I don't think it has to defy stereotypes, but I don't want it to, like, be a stereotype. Like, can't it just be, like, a person? Yeah. I I mean, I feel like that's probably what everybody's asking for right now. We don't need, like, an insane juxtaposition between, Mm -hmm. like, Shang-Chi, the guy who was raised in, like, a martial arts household, and then Aquafina. I forgot her character's name, but Aquafina with her, like regular schmegular household (laughs) like i yeah um but the himbo comment i thought was kind of interesting because it reminded me of other characters simu leo has played oh like jung from kim's convenience i i watched all of kim's convenience in a very short amount of time um binged it if you will yeah i did do that and he kind of played a himbo in that character or in that um film i think yeah because he was like he was, like, really attractive, and all the ladies, like, wanted him, but he didn't finish his high school, um, like, education and stuff. So I feel like I just made that connection. Yeah. <laughs> two plus two is four. I feel like a really good YouTube channel that does that is Wong Fu Productions <gasps> because, like, Stop. all their, like, short little films and their YouTube videos, it rarely has anything to do with being Asian. It's mostly about, like these short stories that the writers create and it can be about love coming of age and those themes are like constant throughout you don't really see anything that's like i'm asian so blah 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 yeah. blah. you know what i mean i think okay first of all i love wong fu that was Facts. like i feel like that's every little asian american kid's childhood yeah like asian bachelor that was my, oh my such a good series mm-hmm. anyway but i think a character that comes to mind like most recently is, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Heartstopper, it's on Netflix. And it's just, it also defies, like, you know, like, the gay stereotype. Because it's, like, a coming-of-age film, and this boy is gay. <laughs> and, you know, kind of navigating his life like that. He has a friend named Tao, and he's Chinese. But he's he's kind of, like, a side character, I suppose. But very little of his character is based on the fact that he's Asian. Like, he's in love with one of the friends, um, I don't think that's really a spoiler, but he's in love with one of the friends who's a trans girl, and, you know, very little of his character revolves around the fact that he's Asian, and I think with the rise of people wanting representation, we've gotten more of, oh, I'm just a person who's Asian, I'm not just an Asian person. Mm -hmm. I know we're talking about films and actors who kind of defy the stereotype, but I remembered Akila and the Bee. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but the Asian, like, opponent and, like, his dad, they are literally, like, I don't know why they had to make those characters so stereotypically Asian. I feel like because of films like that, a lot of people just assume that most Asian parents are like that. So to give you guys some context, um, Akila and the Bee is a movie about this girl. She's really good at spelling. And her teacher is like, hey, I recognize this talent. So he ends up training her to become a really good speller. Um, actually, that's probably wrong. I think I think it wasn't her teacher. I, I think it was just... No, it was like some neighbor guy or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some other dude. But anyway, he trains her and they go out 
and they like compete in like the national spelling bee and her biggest opponent is this asian kid and it's so interesting because they get along quite well um but he's supposed to hate her because you know they're enemies and his dad won't let him have soda i remember that scene they were like at a party he wasn't allowed to have soda he's not allowed to have fun he's only supposed to study and i don't know in the end obviously she wins because you know yeah. it's a feel-good oh, movie yeah. okay i think a major point of this why the movie is so radical is because the girl akila is she's black and she's from like the deep south i think Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's why it wasn't like, oh, I love spelling bees. It's like, oh, here's black excellence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often, like, black people and Asian people are pitted against each yeah, other. for sure. For, like, no reason, which mm-hmm. is weird. And I think often that comes through in media, but I don't know. I see a lot of videos online where it's, like, Chinese grandma, like, there's this dude that came up behind her and he's wearing like a Spider-Man costume and he like scares her and she doesn't even flinch. And then he like takes off the mask and he's like a black dude and she like screams. And oh, I have seen you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. That, and obviously uh, we can't deny the fact that Asia is a very colorist um, region. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. a lot of colorism going on. Um, but that's definitely like exemplified in the media and people are yeah. always... Mm. Butting heads. Okay, so we've covered actors. We've covered movies. Um, I think it's time we talk about some musicians we like. Mm-hmm. And I personally do not have a very diverse taste in music, but these two do. <laughs> these two. So I fun. actually <laughs> have one to point out. Oh, oh, do you? I'm excited. Nikki from uh, 88 Rising. I thought you were going to say from an hype. Um, but basically, I I believe she's from Indonesia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, she's a singer, and her music is, like, my favorite kind of music. She was my top listened-to artist. I was in the top, like, 0.25% of listeners, or, like, 0.5, something like that. Um, point is, <laughs> I really like her music, and I watched a video where she kind of talked about her background, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure she immigrated here. She did. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, she definitely immigrated here. So she's, um, I'd say a fairly popular uh, Asian music artist. Mm-hmm. What kind of music does she make? Um, I'd say it's like R&B. R&B. Mm. I don't know what that means, but. It's rhythm yeah. and blues. Oh, okay. She... I was going to say lo-fi. <laughs> lo-fi? Uh, she... Lo-fi study beats. <laughs> She did this one song. Everyone kind of knows her from Every Summertime, which is the, like, you know, it's on TikTok, whatever. But one that I think is really underrated by her is there's this one song that came out in December called Split. And it's a very, it feels very, like, Christmassy almost, but also it's, like, very somber in a way that's, like, this is either a sad song or it's a Christmas song. It's kind of both. And she's, it's kind of talking about how her life is split between Indonesia and America and Whoa. yeah and i was like this is such a good like for me and sophie over here with our mixed identities and i it's just such a good song and i like look at the lyrics it's i don't just go listen to it it's great but i think one i want to highlight that's involves nikki is just 88 rising as a whole i remember when we first started the show one of the first episodes i want to do was on 88 rising 
but I didn't know like what the topic would be. I was I like remember texting your channel like guys, AD rising, rising episode, oh. and they're like okay yeah but like what's the overarching topic? And I was like I don't know, so we didn't do it. But AD rising, I remember when that was first a thing. They did. I had like this whole AD rising phase in middle school. And they partnered with First We Feast on YouTube, who does, like, the wing challenge or whatever. Yeah. And they were at the <laughs> Feast Mansion, and it would be, like, Joji versus Rich Brian having, like, these, like, cook-offs. And... Wait, that's actually... I want to watch that. Yeah. It's really fun. But it's been really cool because I've... I, like... Not to be, like, oh, I'm not like other girls, but, like, I've kind of, like, seen them grow throughout their, like... From Head in the Clouds, the first album, to now... They're, like, what is it, Head in the Clouds Forever, and how when they first had their Head in the Clouds Fest music festival, and I don't know, that's really cool. And I also, like, on the note of, like, following various artists, one person is, I think I talked about him before, but Grant Perez, he is this musician, and he started on YouTube doing covers, and I, like, the way I found him was I was looking up this Boy Pablo song, that has this really cool, like, guitar riff in it, and I was looking for covers, and there were very few, but I found his, and it was, like, one of his, like, first couple of videos. In the video, he was very, I don't know, like, pubescent, and he was, like, one take, one take, guys, and I was, like, this, like, he actually executed well. I was, like, okay, that's cool, and so I subscribed, and now he has, like, hit songs, and he's on, like, Spotify curated playlists, and his original songs, and to see him go from this little, like, pubescent kid being, like, one take, and then, like, laughing over his mistakes but still publishing it, to now being, like, a recording artist, I think is such a cool thing. No, I feel like there's something really special about seeing, whether it's, like, a music artist or, like, Mm -hmm. an actor or some sort of person that makes you feel like you're represented, and then Mm -hmm. seeing them grow is just, like, that feeling is literally unmatched no i think that's especially a thing in like the asian american demographic of like people who are in the media like uh simu Liu, he started off in wong fu and now he's in a marvel blockbuster i know uh, <laughs> oh my god i love simu Liu. yeah he's hot <laughs> <laughs> all of the artists we mentioned are people who are out there publishing uh, songs and uh, they're constantly dropping albums and things like that. But this one artist that we're about to mention, kind of underground. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Yeah. Do you want to say his name? Nathan Peck. Yes. Guys, go search him up. Yes. I highly doubt he's going to be listening to this, and we probably shouldn't tell him. Yeah. Let's yeah. Not tell him. Let's keep it a secret. Um, but. I don't know. I feel like his music is really cool. For some background, he composes... Is it even classical music? It's more like contemporary classical-ish. It's instrumental, and I think his most recent composition was a brass something. Mm. Yeah, because it's it's very interesting. His music has a very definite, like, character, like, style. Exactly. Like, you can very clearly tell, like, I can be like, wow, this is definitely Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it sounds so Nathan. He d- yeah, he like sure does. He <laughs> described his own music as like whimsical, mm, yeah, which I feel like that's word. like the perfect word. Mm-hmm. It's really, um, it's like weird in a good way. Yeah, because it's so different, and it's so hard for me to process how someone 
like who has not even like gone out there and experienced life can put so much like emotion and come up with like this this music that's so different mm-hmm. i don't know it's really cool i wish we can like you know play for you guys but play an excerpt i think you should add that can i you guys know this person personally oh yeah so i've <laughs> known nathan for quite a while we go to the same like music sort of like piano composition teacher um obviously i don't really compose but nathan i've like grown up knowing his compositions at like spring recitals he will play them so I've like sort of known the development of his music. Mm-hmm. It's very nice to know. Has it gotten better? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's developed so much. Like he started with piano, like solos, and then like mm-hmm. duets, and now it's like going on like full instrumental. And yeah, it's been very nice. And he's not like your average. Oh, I make music kind of guy. He's been recognized by Stanford. Yeah. Yeah, well, he got it. He's going to Stanford, but he got recognized by the Seattle Symphony, mm-hmm. and they actually played. Uh, yeah, because he one does this like um, composition workshop that's yeah. part of the Seattle Symphony. I forgot what it's called, but Miriam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that yeah, one. It's something. That one. Yeah, but he's won like so many top awards for composition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like top of the field. Exactly. I he sent me his uh, resume that he Dang. sent in for college. And it was, like, two full pages of awards. So this guy is pretty stacked. He knows what he's doing. Um, but, yeah, hopefully one day we will be able to hear his music in movies because I know that's and what he wants to do. And we can say we knew him before he blew up. Yeah, for real. Well, actually, he kind of Before he up. exploded. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We were the OG fans. I personally, like, an artist that I've been thinking about this entire time is Ailey. Um, she's a vocalist in South Korea, but the thing is, she's fluent in English and Korean, and I don't know how or when she got fluent. I don't really know much about, like, her past and how she became an artist. I just know her music, but I personally connect most with those artists in Korea who have backgrounds, like, they grew up in America. Like, Jessie is another one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a rapper in South Korea, and she grew up... She was born in New Jersey, and I was also born in New Jersey. Um, And now she does everything in Korea, but she's very in touch with, like, um, I guess, like, her American roots, which is really interesting. Like, no one ever says, my American roots. (laughs) I don't think anyone wants to, but... um, Yeah, no, it's really cool. And she, like, implements a lot of English into her interviews and her songs and her work. Um, And she's, like, a kupul, which means an overseas Korean. So she kind of represents that population of people in South Korea. Mm -hmm. Jessie's a very cool gal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. Let's, Let's move on to another category. What are we thinking? I, I just the other category, not another. Just oh, okay. So another. other, yeah. yeah okay. So like the other category, the miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. Mm-hmm. One who I think is really cool and her story is really interesting is Nadia Okamoto. Um, she founded this period care company called August, and she went to Harvard. And a lot of her movement beyond just you know making menstrual products with her brand is um, period empowerment. Periods are a very taboo topic, but part of her work is to, you know, destigmatize it. And I think it was just really interesting because the way the brand started, it's like 
I don't know how to explain it other than like the like packaging of whatever is very aesthetically pleasing. That, that sounds like a weird thing to say that, about that's menstrual a very products. Important. But um, the way it all started was in high school, she started a fundraiser for people who were in period poverty, meaning that people would have to, you know, ration or not be able to go out and buy their menstrual care products. And she it all started from that. And then all of a sudden she made her brand called August. And I, I don't know. I don't really have much to add on her. I just think she's a very interesting person and her personal social media as well. She just feels like a very real person. Like, I don't know how to put that. No, that's kind of in the category of, like, small business Small owners. business owners? Yeah. <laughs> if you're into stationery, everyone knows that, like, Asian stationery is top the tier. Best. Like, Japanese stationery, Korean stationery, so good. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, just, like, here locally, the Kinokuniya. I don't know if that's how you pronounce yeah, yeah, it, but, right. yeah, next to Wajimaya here in Seattle is such a good place to be there's like so much good stationery and i don't know i just love it so ava's clearly passionate about yeah i am very passionate about japanese korean stationery so stepping away from the very small small businesses category um i think it'd be fun if we could talk about people in our community who we think are asian american excellence and we already had mr nathan peck in his segment in our music segment but I think one who I really like is Sophia, Shots by Sophia. Um, that's her Instagram handle. And she is a photographer. And she goes to our school. And she makes this really incredible photography. And you might be thinking, oh, like, whatever. Like, she's probably just, like, taking photos of flowers or something. No. She's doing, like, self-portraits. And then she edits them to look like they're in, like, some, like, world from the media. So one of the ones mm. she did was, like, the Grishaverse, which is... Uh, like Six of Crows, if you know that. I started reading that one. That one's good. Mm-hmm. Um, she does Grishaverse, and she got she's incredible. She got deals with Warner Bros. to do a Dune series and with uh, Marvel for Multiverse of Madness, I think. And I don't I feel like many people, like if you like the people at our school don't really know, I guess. But I think she's so incredible. Like, mm-hmm. I remember we Grace, like, pointed her out last year, and she's like, oh, this girl goes to her school. And then I looked at her stuff, and, like, she's actually the reason I started, like, getting back into reading. So I was like, I want to understand what this is about. Like, this imagery is so cool. So I think she's really incredible, and I would love to have her on the show one day. Yeah, and also another thing is, I feel like, so right now, wait, she has 68.9 thousand followers on Instagram, and... I don't know about you guys, but if I had that many followers, I would be flexing all the time. But she is honestly one of the nicest people ever, and she's super, super humble. And I think the best thing about her is that she's genuinely passionate. And just hearing her talk about her work, like, you can tell that she's in it purely because she loves it. And I think it's great that she's getting, like these really huge and incredible opportunities mm-hmm. um she was like on the news yeah 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 and she's also doing a feature film that's coming up mm-hmm. and she has a link where you can donate for her feature film to be funded mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. and so i like i can put that into the link or the yeah. into this description for today and they're casting a couple people from our school like in our grade like uh they want the main actress to be uh, someone in our grade. So I think it's going to be cool. 
I feel like another very important person is my counselor. I have Miss Southern. Um, I'm pretty sure she's counselor. She's a counselor for people whose last names are like H to no, it's like G through K or something like that. So I was fortunate to make the cut, and I'm so happy that I have her. I'm pretty sure the first time I ever talked to her was something about uh, like classes. Back in the day, it was like freshman year, and I didn't really know her as a person. But this year, for the first time ever, I actually got to meet her, and I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't know she was like Pacific Islander, because you know Southern is not something that I would you know correlate that with.、Um, but yeah, I was really happy to hear about that, and she talked about Hawaii a couple times with me, and we also talked about、um, Asian American representation at our school. Um, I don't know. I think she's just such a cool person. And the thing is, there are five counselors, and she's the only POC counselor. Really? I feel like, I feel like that's a little, that's a little weird. But、um, we're glad that Miss Southern is the one representing us. I have a couple more people to shout out before we end this episode, and they're actually with me right now. Oh. oh. Okay. <laughs> My co-hosts,、oh, yay! Because how could we go a whole episode about Asians without talking about us? <laughs> we are okay, <laughs> exceptional. <laughs> I mean, what else would we be? But in actuality, we have broken a lot of、um, records, I guess, at the at the mm-hmm. station. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. are the most downloaded show with. Five hundred, five thousand, eight hundred downloads、mm-hmm. <laughs> in all of KMIH history,、really? and yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound so excited,、oh, Ava. Dang, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. We are always, you know, sharing our ideas and our thoughts and our perspectives as a variety of Asian American teens. Who happen to live in the Pacific Northwest? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think we deserve a pat on the back from ourselves. Oh yeah, I think we really could go on about this for hours. Like not not the ourselves part, but about people who we think are Asian American excellence. And I think we will continue to as long as we have this platform. But thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>